Hey, 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 this is your host, Jasmine Haley, for another awesome episode of the Legacy Speaker Show. Today's guest is Samara Bay. Now, let me explain to you why we had to invite her on the show. She is the author of Penguin Random House bestseller, Permission to Speak, y'all. Hello. Okay. We're about to talk about this book. Um, it's a revolution in how to think about your voice and everyone else's. It's out now. It's available in 15 plus countries. She's a Los Angeles-based speech coach whose clients range from candidates for U.S. Congress to C-suite executives, change-making entrepreneurs and thought leaders, international diplomats, Hollywood celebrities, and high school girls. And we know how important it is for us to leverage our voice, which is why we're so happy to extend a warm welcome to Samara for joining the show. Oh my gosh, that introduction! Thank you. <laughs> I'm very pleased to be here with you, Jasmine. Oh, I cannot wait. So first of all, let me just let the listeners know, I could not put this book down. Um, I literally, I think I was done in like two days. I think it was somewhere, but you know, most of the time when you're a mom, you know, things go out of your brain very quickly, but I, this one did not. <laughs> I got, I got it done in two days. And I will tell you that the conversations that were sparked about voice with my husband, uh, the, what I've talked about even with my own children was something I had never even considered before. So I think that if anyone is on this path of legacy building with speaking and training, you need to pick up this book because there's some things that are limiting us from really expanding and taking up space in our respective industries. And we brought Samara on here to talk about why we all need to join this revolution. So mm -hmm. I would just want to dive in a little bit for the listeners specifically so they can understand why you decided to make it your expertise to work specifically with voice. And what led you into that world? The voice component of it is so, I love that you asked that question. It's been in my life, my whole life without me quite realizing why. And then I had this experience that I talk about in chapter eight that really like sparked it for me. I've always been curious until that moment. I'd always just been curious about the relationship between how all of us talk and how we get treated. And I mean, I was that theater nerd when I was like seven who watched My Fair Lady, which is an old tiny musical about someone with a low class accent who learns how to talk high class and her entire life opens up to her. So mm -hmm. at seven, you know, we have kids. I don't know exactly what I was thinking at seven, but I was thinking something. Mm -hmm. I was learning something about how the world works. And mm -hmm. I was um, always putting on funny voices and doing, you know, I was doing sort of the silly version of that until as a professional dialect coach, I was suddenly struck in 2018 with the much larger social, cultural, political ramifications of this when I was dialect coaching Gal Gadot on Wonder Woman 2. So I have this ridiculous, <laughs> wonderful past telling movie stars what to do with their tongues, as I like to say, but it's true. And I was in Washington, D.C. and that summer of 2018, was just a mess politically. You know, we were a few years into 
that old guy who was our president. We were hurtling towards our first midterm. No one really knew if it was going to sort of change the narrative in the country or not. And I was very connected to all my activist friends and how burned out everyone felt. And in the middle of that, we started to see those pictures coming in from the border of what was happening. That was a mess. And I just remember thinking like, I love dialect coaching, but what more can I possibly do? And then like an answer fell in my lap when I got a phone call from moveon.org. And they're this really amazing American organization that finds talented up and coming. Oops. And offers them support. And a friend had suggested me as somebody to pro bono coach all these first time female candidates that year who had never spoken publicly before. And That's I, incredible. I dove in and I was like, I don't actually know. I mean, on some level I knew, but I didn't really know if my expertise over here matched my expertise over here. But I also yeah. thought like, how could I say no? And I learned that, you know, the way that I was telling, helping, coaching, supporting actors to sound like someone else mm. authentically yeah. is actually not that different from helping humans sound like themselves authentically at scale. Mm -hmm. When And by mm -hmm. scale, of course, because once we get thrown on a stage or a metaphorical stage, all of our old stories come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's deep-seated. And it's deep-seated. It's so deep-seated and so invisible that mm -hmm. we all just think that's my relationship to my voice is my relationship to my voice. What, what is a relationship to your voice? I just sound like I sound, I hate my voice and I sound like I sound right. That's, that's how many, many, many of us have been socialized. And then yes. the story, that's the end of the story. Yes. Yes. But you know, it wasn't until I read your book that I actually started like really trying to dive deeper into when I felt that I was losing my permission to speak, so to, so to speak, and to use my actual voice. I, I'll tell you this. I've seen it happen for when, when we're women in dominated male spaces. I've seen it happen for people of color when they're the minority in, the, in a space. We, we code switch. <laughs> I mean, there's a technical <laughs> linguistic term for it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And like, there were so many other terms that I learned, learned in your book I had never heard of before that were showing that I was like in a, I was losing my countenance. I was losing my confidence. I was just losing myself in spaces and my voice was showing it. Asking for the sale. That's Asking that's for the sale. I saw, like, I started thinking, like, the book was helping me appreciate, like, asking for the sale, my voice would drop. I would get almost, like, meekish right beforehand. And until you until you actually read a book like this, which there is no other one. Um, <laughs> there is none. I'm like, I haven't. <laughs> um, it really helps you to really dive into the, the work that still needs to be done for you to show up with your full power. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I didn't realize until I realized what I was really writing here. And it is a book about healing and about liberation. It's on such a deeper level than I quite allowed myself to 
you know, step into. Because as you said, we lose ourselves and we lose ourselves for completely understandable micro adjustment reasons having to do with mm. safety, physical safety and psychological safety. Oh, so good. Yes. Right. And so every single tiny adjustment we've ever made to sound a little different from ourselves in, as I like to call it, rooms of power, right? In rooms where we sense something is in the air and there's a little danger and we have to switch in order to get taken seriously or just be allowed to keep talking. Those tiny adjustments are valid and they're reasonable and they are, you know, I like to say we're functioning members of a dysfunctional society. Yay. We, we have figured out a function. <laughs> and so part of what I'm here to do is like, just make sure that as we think about our voice and our history with, um, you know, as I call it our voice story, our history of how we've sounded and how we've thought about our voice, that we are careful to not bring shame into this because mm. There's that whole added level of why did I do this to myself or, you know, why am I self-sabotaging or why can't I just hack it, which mm. is the voice that goes through a lot of people's heads and especially women and people of color and queer folks who know that they present that way and immigrants, English as a second language, right? And anybody who has an accent that they know on some level codes them as other. And all Ooh. of us have just these layers of why can't I hack it? And I just want to you know, obviously my real, real deep mission here is to just wave a flag right there and say, it's not you. Mm -hmm. It's the society that we've all come up in. It's the thousands of years story about what powerful people are supposed to sound like. Yep. yep. And it's where we are right now. It's what, what's happened. So what's the inflection point? If we're living in it, what is it? It's not just never sound like uh, any version of yourself that you don't entirely recognize. That's not even a thing. Like everybody asks me, I'm so glad you didn't. I've had so many interviews where people are like, so what? No, you found. And I'm like, now I'm just throwing the word authentic around willy nilly because your authentic yeah. voice is something that feels good and honest and true and in, in integrity when you speak and you know it when you feel yes. it and you yes. know it when you don't. Yes. So like, I'm not going to be over here being like, oh, oh, no, that didn't sound like you. <laughs> who can give the you goal. that permission who can give you that you it's only you it's only you because what are we really talking about here jasmine because i know that um i don't know that but i'm i'm assuming <sighs> that those of you listening really want to go there what we're really talking about is decolonized public speaking and if yeah. if we're going from that as an assumption then we have to think well what <laughs> What is the colonizer's goal? You know, well, for one thing, that there's a really regimented, controlled version of what powerful people should sound like. Absolutely. And two, that the rest of us should feel disconnected from our own voice, yep. because that will continue to make us feel like we're scrambling to chase a standard we will never reach. Yes. And, yes. and the reality is so much of public speaking coaching, so much of executive presence coaching, so much of a talk, the talk around leadership and professionalism just takes all of that for granted and says, yeah, but short-term fix, what do you, what do you need to do to get taken seriously in that room tomorrow? Sure. I mean, mm -hmm. y'all Google how to get taken seriously and the five bullet points that pop up really practical advice for how to get taken seriously tomorrow and uphold every value system. We don't believe in. Mm. Preach. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was riled up after reading this because I I realized like so looking back on my own journey I was in I was specifically in healthcare when I decided to professionally speak there were no other black dental hygienists on the on the circuit on the speaker circuit at all I could not go to anybody to figure out how to navigate specifically with someone that looks like me and so I remember struggling with my hair, what to do with my hair, because I had a natural loose, you know, natural hair. It wasn't straight. I could get it straightened. Um, I struggled with what am I going to wear? I even would enunciate my words so that you couldn't hear too much of my New York accent because I felt like if I had my new, and you don't hear it that much anyway now, because I've suppressed a, a, a lot, a lot because I felt that having my accent, uh, specifically, I, you, when, when I say coffee, you hear coffee, like that hasn't gone away. But I felt like if it was too strong, then people wouldn't take me serious. I would be too urban. I would be too urban for them. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated on the steps and, and the, the, there's actual exercises y'all inside of this book for us to really start looking at the way that we're showing up with our voice. And as Samara just shared, there's no other person that's supposed to give you permission but yourself. But unfortunately, what you see in the speaking industry and what she was talking about is the people who are the gatekeepers in the industry are determining what is the, what's the level of success, what's the level of power. And I'm finding the more, more clients that I work with, we're, we're making our own lane. We want more people who are, who are open to hearing our, our life stories, to hear our outlooks on, on the, on the work that we do. And we want to do so being a hundred percent authentically who we are, because when we're not aligned, we get burned out. We're unhappy. There's no joy. And there's so many of us who have started our businesses to make a bigger impact, to have joy, to have more freedom, but we've suppressed the very nature of what makes us who we, who we are, which is our voice from really taking up space. So one like really practical example of this is it ties into what you were saying when you first started out in the suppression feeling, but what I like to offer because it just feels like subversive in a in, in a playful way is to start really thinking about for for all of you for all of us um whose voices you love to listen to right now who you listen to as a podcast right and invite into this bizarrely intimate relationship in your ear and you know what you um have seen recently as like a speech whether it was in an academy awards contest or an activist or a politician or somebody in business, a TED talk, what have you seen in the last like six months that you felt physically compelled to share? Like you couldn't just actually experience it. You had to experience it and then share it because it was something about it that needed to, you know, literally go viral. And what we noticed there is a few things, of course, that there's probably a lot of diversity in the look of these people that make you get excited. And there's also a diversity in the sound. And by that, just to get really practical, I mean, we each have the 
potential to sound more generic than we really are. Mm. Mm. To sort of shave off our weird. And mm -hmm. to, the example I, I like to give is like, you know, for somebody who's, who's introducing at a conference, it's not really their place to, you know, bring heart and soul. They know their job is to introduce, but they sort of accidentally think that means they have to be as boring as possible. And so we get these conferences <laughs> that start with, hello, morning, everybody. I hope you got some coffee this morning. So uh, first up, what we have going on, right? And it's like, yes, it's 70% like a person. Yes. Okay. 70% is not nothing. But the 30% <laughs> that you left behind because you weren't willing to like be a human who humans in front of other humans is missing. And it we feel it. And we feel like, oh, we're entering one of those spaces where we have to sort of breathe shallowly because we're not gonna really, really be honest. And mm. when you start to notice speeches that go viral the podcasts you love listening to, the TED Talks, you start to notice that actually what makes an impact every time is the same type of stuff. And it isn't what the Google, how to sound, how to get taken seriously, bullet points per se. It's, yep. for example, being emotionally available, mm -hmm. which I mean, actually allowing the words that come out of your mouth to be connected to emotional content that goes with them. So that you yes. trust that the full, the full message is both parts of that. Mm -hmm. The words without the emotional content is safer, but is never going to make the impact. Mm. You know mm. why? Because mm. you know, we all know the stories of being emotional, right? For mm -hmm. women, for black women, the, like the word emotional is such a weapon until we remember yeah. that emotional means allowing the content to actually show up on our bodies so that people okay. believe us. Yes. You know what? I actually think this came, this, this circles back from me to my background in theater and, and, you know, Hollywood stuff, because we tend to think, I think culturally that it's different, but it's really the same. When you see um, a TV show, a movie, whatever, a moment, maybe in a rom-com where the person finally says the I love you thing that they've been, you know, holding back forever. And you a little bit fall in love with them yourself. There's mm -hmm. just something so like, gorgeous about somebody opening up and you just see them and you see how vulnerable they are, by which I mean, they show that they mm -hmm. show that they care. You now know what matters to them. You know how you can hurt them, right? So that they open up anyway, they take the mm -hmm. risk, they be a real human. You in the audience fall in love with them. And the same damn thing happens when we watch somebody give a talk. Yes, absolutely. 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 My best, I remember the first time I gave a, my most vulnerable keynote where mm. I revealed things that no one else really knew, like what was happening behind the, behind the scenes. And I allowed my voice to quiver in the times where it was extremely emotional. And I allowed myself to be fully engaged in what I, what it is that I was sharing, right? And there was not a dry eye. It was 300 people in the room. I got a standing ovation after I was done. And I did not have to request or pitch myself as often because I finally let that veil down and just fully embrace the legacy-driven work that I was doing. So... Everybody, anybody can structure a talk, right? They can do that. But if you, and I love what you just said, 
you have to be emotionally available. And for those of you who are listening to the Legacy Speaker Show, you already know that we're here to do legacy-driven work. We're here to make an impact every single day that we decide to show up. And one component that could that could prevent you from fully expanding into the powerful transformative work that you're doing is if you don't tap into this level of hindrance that we give to ourselves from societal norms, whatever stories that have been told in your past, we have to release it if we want to continue to do the work that, that we are, you know, led to do. You know, what is like radical, even though it's tiny caring out, out Mm -hmm. to say that we care with our words, but also to show that we care. Mm -hmm. And that is hard because mm-hmm. all of us have been socialized not to. So mm-hmm. it's way safer to say, I'm super enthusiastic about this, but I mean, you like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. Also, and also, for anybody who's a woman or anybody who's worked in customer service, we sometimes have ability people please and overshare, by which, and over, not overshare, overshare, by which I mean that we push and pretend when we don't care as much. So then we get into this, like, oh my gosh, I care so much. Wow, this is such a big deal. And that, that it's well-intentioned, but it's in, if there's a spectrum, it's equally hiding. On one hand, we yeah. have, Ooh. I'm hiding by undercaring. And the uh, on the other hand, we have, I'm hiding by pushing, by fake caring. Mm. And so the mm. question is like, what do we show up like when we really take an actual breath? the lower down one, the diaphragm one, right? That's in the messy stuff. That's hard on its own. As you know, there's an entire chapter on that. <laughs> I was trying to do it do while that? I was driving. I was trying to do it while I was driving. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta stop. <laughs> well, for anybody who gets the audiobook, there is a PDF that comes with it because I was like, well, what if they're driving? Um, I know. So, but uh, what happens if we take that breath even when the pressure's on, even when it's scary, even when we are looking out at an audience and we cannot read them and we go, I am here to do my life's work. And that entails that I don't just say the hard thing, but that I, but I say it while showing generously that I actually mean it. Mm. And as you That's said so earlier, good. it shows up in your voice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yes. the, the unwillingness, I say this as gently and lovingly as possible, knowing all of the context, but the unwillingness to show how we feel shows up in our voice and the willingness does. Both of those choices. The unwillingness shows up in ways where we vocally hide, where we say like, oh uh, yeah, like we the vocal fry and all that stuff that like, you know, it has its place, but like it basically is saying like, I don't, I'm not really willing to tell you whether or not I actually care. Wow. Wow. And then we take that breath and we go, today, I'm going to be brave and willing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, get, we're getting to, to the wire of this podcast. Oh, and I still want to go. But listen, <laughs> there's a part of it, too, that I'm just so intrigued. In, and, and maybe this could be a part, too, because there's, there's a, a part of our voice, like I've mentioned, that impacts us as business owners. Now we're talking about the stage, speaking and training, but there's a part of us and how we show up. And I realized that, as I mentioned on the outset of this conversation with, with, with me doing sales, 
or when I show up in new networking um, groups and I'm kind of, I'm like kind of shy with my introduction, not even shy. Like I, I barely, it's like, think, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's like, how do we show up in our marketing? Right. By which yeah. I think all those things are, how do we show up in our marketing in our true genius? And, mm -hmm. you know, in many ways, I think we're, we're, I don't know. I feel like I hear a lot of business people having beautiful ideas about this. Like this is the moment we're in a moment where we're trying to show up in integrity in all the parts of our business. Right. Yeah. So if we're coaches and we know that our zone of genius is actually in the coaching of a person, how do I, I'm talking about me, how do I mm -hmm. show up in my marketing on reels, on Instagram, right? In the emails, doing the sale, how do I show up tapped into that version of me and mm -hmm. not allow mm -hmm. these other Obviously, all those stories and the money stories and all of that, but also like, I don't know, our long histories of perhaps those of us who grew up in the 80s, knowing that we'll be back after these messages is that mm -hmm. salesy voice, whether you're selling <laughs> a product or not, right? So we worry like, so work with me and you'll be great. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I would never want to be caught dead. And then, but then that shuts us down from anything. So exactly. working through like, well, how do I show up like someone who I, I love myself, I love my offers. I mean, this comes out in our voice. Our voice Ugh. is such an annoying and absolutely glorious reveal of how much we actually believe we deserve to take up space. Oh, so good. Um, I love your book. As I've told you before, I love your book. I'm going to say my, I'm going to have my last closing statement on why they need to pick up this book, but it is, it is so, it's so phenomenal. And that's why this, this episode is titled that giving yourself permission to speak is your greatest gift. It is not just for the stage. We're talking about your personal, your professional life, every way that you show up in the world. If you're living and breathing person, you have been impacted by this. I have had this conversation with my husband as a first generation, um, actually, yes, he is <laughs> first generation American here. You know, he's had to deal with coming in and speaking an entirely different language. And he's worked so hard to try to remove his accent. Like this is showing up for any human being that has to deal with show showing up, like you said, in places of, of power, so to speak. And I think that this is a conversation that we should all be having so that we can make sure that we're reaching our greatest, our greatest potential, whatever that may be. So, yeah. And I, I just want to say one more thing that that just made me think of, which is that like what we're really talking about here and each of us has our own legacies, right. And our own vision that we're driving ourselves towards, but mm -hmm. inside of this conversation about voice, about claiming our voice, there is also this shared vision, I think for a better world with better leadership. And that when each of us has the chance to speak on a stage or not, as you said, it is an opportunity to embody what kind of leadership we want to see more of in the world today. So if we wish that there were more leaders who were empathetic and playful and, you know, interactive like this, who don't sort of just like, you know, walk around playing expert, but who actually are listeners as well as talkers, well, mm -hmm. how do I show up like that today? Mm. And part of it is, you know, what we've been talking about in a way is voice biases. How do we listen to make sure that we are not accidentally discounting people? 
because they don't sound like leadership has traditionally sounded and how do we not discount ourselves? Mm. And, and are you doing the self work necessary to see how you may be contributing to those biases? And let me just explain why I had a wonderful opportunity to teach full-time and I taught full-time in an educational setting specifically for dentistry. And I had one of the most remarkable, brilliant students come in to our program that was from a Spanish speaking country. And her accent was very strong. However, I could understand everything she was saying. But unfortunately, there was a faculty member that treated her lesser than because of that. And I can't tell you the number of times I had to support that beautiful student in understanding her own power and that she had a right to be in that space. She was the absolute superb clinician, excellent student, but she lived with an accent and that was it. And because of someone else's biases, they made it even more difficult for her to show up in her own personal power. So some of us are struggling with it and some of us are contributing to it. And some of us and, are both, right? Exactly. The ways in which we are accidentally gatekeeping in a world where we wish there were fewer gatekeepers. Yes. And look, biases are instantaneous, right? It's not about not having them. It's about having that wiser second thought. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, wow. I accidentally fully judged that person because I couldn't totally understand them. Ooh, <laughs> what would my higher, better self do? What would I wish somebody would do for me? You know? Yes. So for every single speaker that's here, I want you to know that you can have a successful speaking and training business. You could use speaking in multiple different ways, whether you have an accent or not, whether your name is ethnic or not, whether you tend to say some words in, in a particular way, right? Like I do, right? Whatever it is, show you up say as like you. sometimes. Yeah, if you, if you say, say like, um and ah uh, sometimes. Yes. I get exactly. those questions and I'm like, God, there's so there's so much desperation in those questions. Cause what we're really saying is how do I just get in the door? How do I get people to actually listen to me? Yeah. Right. And they're asking I mean, for and they're asking for permission. They're asking you know the, for permission. You know the best way to say um and uh less as somebody who still says it in public and totally owns it, but how to say it less so that it's not distracting? Believe that what you're saying matters. Mm. <laughs> All right, folks, listen. <laughs> it's infuriating because it's hard, but it's also delicious because it's simple. It just yeah. requires you to actually believe that you deserve to take up time and space, that your ideas are thought leader worthy, mm. and then breathe like someone who believes that. So good. Okay, this is our final question. The question is, what was the best business advice you've been given or the best advice you've been giving for voice? Business advice. I'm going to go with business advice because I feel much closer to being um, a, a beginner's mind around business. Um, <clears throat> I have to admit that I think it was what I already said about showing up in our marketing like we show up in our um, coaching. There's just something so obvious but subversive about that for those of us who grew up in the 80s and had that, you know, salesy voice in our head, 
to just know that if we are, I mean, I feel like I really, through our shared entrepreneur spaces, et cetera, have been learning marketing 101, business really 101 over the last year or two, and also unlearning it. And I think that's where many of us are, right? How do I take the things that really work? How do I actually, for example, name my price and then stand next to it and say that it's real and that it is a value, right? But not, how do I bring with me the stuff that always felt a little slimy? And I mean, it's just, you know, we just wake up every day going, how do I show up for my business today? And how do I make the world a better place today? How are those two things not mutually exclusive? How do they overlap? Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's do that version. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love it. I love it. Listen, this has been such a, uh, an incredible conversation. Listeners, Samara has a five-minute warm-up that will get you into full permission mode before your next big moment. So whether you're going into the boardroom, whether you're showing up on a virtual stage, whether you're showing up on an in-person stage, this will benefit you. I want you to go into the show notes and I want you to download it ASAP before she takes it away. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a little scarcity you just threw in there just for kicks? Because <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> and of course, please pick up permission to speak. Um, where can where can uh, our listeners find you, Samara? I am on Instagram the most uh, at Samara Bay. I drop a new reel every Tuesday full of tips and also a great place to DM me if you want to talk to me directly. I I really enjoy that, especially now that I have all these readers. I mean, oh my gosh, readers finding me on the internet is like the the version of me that was uh, a writer writing this book alone during the early pandemic lockdown could could only dream of this moment, right? So there's that. Um, LinkedIn as well. I'm around, you know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, truly, truly appreciate your time today. Thank you, Jasmine. I am such a fan. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, y'all, listen. I'm going to put this book up here. Stop playing games, okay? You definitely need to pick this up. Um, And it's called Permission to Speak, How to Change What Power Sounds Like, Starting with You. I started with the audio book, and I had to pick up the, the actual print copy because there's actual tangible, actionable steps that you can take today to start really stepping into your own personal power. I know that many of you are legacy-driven, you're purpose-driven, and we all have powerful work that we're doing. And I have also seen in my own journey, as many of you have heard me speak about, building a business is a holistic experience. It's a mental, it's a physical, it's an emotional journey. And as I have worked my own journey, I have grown it to six figures, to multi six figures, and I'm continuously evolving. I've also seen in other ways how false stories or societal norms have prevented me from really expanding into a place where I can do more of my impactful work. And so this is where this book is going to help you tackle some of those elements so that you can show up more fully for yourself in your personal life as well as your business life. So go ahead and check that out. And if any of you are interested in diving deeper into your own voice, I'm going to encourage you to contact Samara Bay and make sure you use the resources in our show notes. And if you are still struggling along your speaker journey with your topics or in your business, reach out to me at jasminehaley.com. 
Until then, I'll see you in our next episode. Bye now.